You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Each week we come to you with the best in healthcare information, myself and my co-host, Dr. Mike. We uh, discuss the issues that doctors discuss amongst themselves in doctor's lounges all across the country. We arm you with the information that you need so that you can fight for your health care freedom. And that's what the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, the sponsor of the show, is all about, fighting for your health care freedom and supporting the doctor-patient relationship. So please support us so that we can continue to do what we're doing, bringing you this show and doing all the work that we do on a regular basis. And you can do that by going to our website, www.d4pcfoundation.org. That's docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. And contribute generously. We really need your help. And I'm going to share with you some some really uh, kind of cool stuff that I experienced this weekend. This weekend, we um, held our second annual DPC, Direct Primary Care Conference, um, in Orlando, Florida. This was an event that uh, we were looking forward to. It was um, a, uh, a mega event, and as was our first conference a year ago in Dallas, this one in Orlando was just as much of a smash hit, if not more. There were 270 doctors at this conference from all around the country. I don't have the breakdown on how many states were represented like we did last year um, when we had 41 states represented, but I suspect that it was um, pretty close to that. And in this room, there was more positive energy than I have seen in a medical conference in years. There was diversity of ethnicity, racial, gender. We had everybody represented, and everybody was there for one reason, to look at a alternative model to health care delivery from what we have right now, which is uh, special interest-run, government-mandated um, health care. And um, I want to give a special shout-out to one young uh, woman, uh, delightful family medicine uh, doctor that I met, and I know that she's listening because she told me she's listening. And her name is Melissa Bloom, and she is a family medicine doctor in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. She made the trip to Orlando in part, she tells me, because of what she hears on this radio show. And that is just so awesome to me because I... I come here and alternate every other week with my co-host, Dr. Mike, and we often have guests. We sometimes don't. We speak into the microphone. We don't know who is listening out there, but apparently there are lots of people listening. And I can't tell you how much that 
just warmed my heart. It made me feel like I was actually doing something that was worthwhile doing this show for three years and sharing with everybody the healthcare information that that I know that that my my co-host Dr. Mike knows and that we've um, spent an awful lot of time honing. Uh, in terms of our knowledge base and our skills in delivering this healthcare information. And Melissa was telling me that, you know, she lives in the People's Public of Hawaii where there is, uh, where socialism abounds and she feels like she's losing her mind. And when she gets into that mood, she pops in a podcast from this show and she hears my voice. And um, it brings her back some sanity. It brings her back into a state of reality. And she needed to come to the meeting to uh, just um, put faces with the voices that she's heard on the radio and and uh, and just experience that that uh, uh, whole aura of of sanity of people who are actually trying to build something positive in healthcare and that's what our uh, direct primary care meeting was all about so i i want to thank melissa personally on the show i know she might not be listening live but i know she downloads our podcast and I want to thank everybody who listens to this show. And if you've got a, sh- a story to share with us, I would love to hear it and give you a shout-out. Um, you can reach me at a website that we're setting up today at drhal at americaswebradio.com. And I promise you that I will get back with you, and I will also... Uh, share on air anything that uh, you'd like me to, to share um, if it's appropriate. So, uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to sharing your stories and and how listening to this show has made a difference in your life and given you um, some kind of new or different perspective than you might have had uh, had you not listened. Our meeting in Orlando was just unbelievable, and I'm so sorry that more people could not have been there. People are already talking about the next meeting a year ago, and we they haven't even unpacked their suitcases from this meeting. It was really amazing. I asked when I got up to, to, to kick off this meeting how many people had attended the meeting the year before. And I would have to say over 50% of the people in the room were repeat attendees, which is just unbelievable that they wanted, they felt that this meeting had um, been so important to them and and had given them so much information, but more importantly, had given them the camaraderie that they were looking for that they they wanted to experience it again. And I would not be surprised if we have again this repeat um, uh, crowd coming. And I think that a lot of this uh, credit goes to the president of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, Lee Gross, who I consider the godfather of the DPC movement. He is, um, you know, just an amazing, amazing uh, individual. And um, I don't know how he has been able to consistently get all of the superstars of the direct primary care world to participate in our event, but he does it. 
and they do it willingly, and they do it for free on their own dime. We just we just pay their travel to get there. We don't pay them honoraria. We don't do any of that, and they just want to be part of this experience because we are changing healthcare in America. He had people like Josh Umber. Josh Umber, you hear, if you listen to Sean Hannity's show, Sean Hannity loves Josh, and he is on all the time, and as are uh, uh, other superstars in the... Uh, um, DPC world um, talking about um, DPC in in uh, various media outlets, and we had them all at our meeting. Ryan Newhoffel, Chad Savage, Julie Gunther, to name a few. We had Phil Eskew, who is a DPC doctor, but he's also the world's leading expert on the um, legal uh, aspects of DPC because he's not just a uh, a do a doctor but he's a uh, a lawyer a jd and so he really uh, helps keep people out of trouble we had jay kempton from the free market medical association this is the uh, medical association that was founded by he and jay um and um and uh um uh, Keith Smith in Oklahoma City who you've heard on this show before um we had uh, um, Jay Keese from the uh, DPC Coalition there. We had everybody who is anybody in DPC at this meeting, which was the attraction for people to want to come and participate in this. Um, <clears throat> so we'll have many of these people on our show in upcoming months. Uh, I talked to them, and and uh, and they are excited about uh, coming on and sharing their their experiences and their knowledge. One of the reasons why our event is so popular is because doctors attending it get um, over 11 Category 1 CME credits. Those are the continuing medical education credits that you need for your state license. And it's free. We're not charging anybody anything for this. And that's thanks to a very generous grant from the Physicians Foundation and we had four representatives from the Physicians Foundation attending this meeting because they wanted to see for themselves what this was all about, and they just were blown away, and they're going to go back to their board and and recommend that we continue this meeting and hopefully that we even expand the funding and make it even bigger than it was. Um, we, We couldn't do the meeting without the help from the State Medical Association um, in the first one was in Texas. This one was Florida, and the Florida Medical Association was just absolutely fantastic. They were instrumental in helping to make this uh, meeting a success and helping us to uh, uh, have it come off without any uh, glitches. And the CME credits are a big part of this and a big attraction for the doctors who attend. We had three keynote speakers at this meeting, and they were all unbelievable. One was Doug Farrago, who uh, gave a talk about um, uh, DPC, the hero's journey, and trying to show how a DPC doctor can uh, can rise from the ashes of the healthcare heap, where it's just absolutely misery practicing and and leave that and become a dpc doctor and and change their life and the lives of everyone else that they touch and it was it was uh, one of the best lectures that i've ever heard 
all of our talks, by the way, will be on the website, on the Docs for Patient Care website. So please go to our website. Check it out right now that people who gave PowerPoint presentations already have their slide decks loaded on to our website, and you can go ahead and go through some of the slides, but the actual video from the, the meeting, the talks, will soon be on there. I promise that it will happen within 30 days. We're just editing it down, and um, and you've got to catch Jug, Doug Farrago's uh, talk. It was it was truly um um it was funny it was sad it was it was it, it evoked a, a, a tremendous number of emotions but it was clearly one of the highlights of our meeting we had grace marie turner there who is a board member of the docs for patient care foundation and a good friend of this show and she came um to share with us the dc update which i'll go through a few things a little bit later on in the show and then we had one of my friends on there who who I owe a, a, a tremendous amount of uh, of gratitude to for uh, coming and and uh, donating his time to our foundation so he can share his experiences um, uh, and uh, and inspire the people who were there and that's Herman Cain. So Herman came to um, speak to our our uh, meeting. Uh, as our dinner uh, speaker, and he is a motivational speaker. He's an ordained Baptist minister. He gave one of those rousing kind of um, uh, church-like speeches um, on why doctors needed to embrace doc, uh, direct primary care. He's an entrepreneur, an author, a radio host, former political candidate, and just a very, very special person. And um, uh, he he totally gets what we're trying to do, which is to change healthcare in America. Because he has been involved in the healthcare fight for 20 years. He was involved, if you remember, in the Hillary Care stuff, and uh, he uh, fought back and questioned. Uh, uh, President Clinton and said that his calculations were wrong and at that very moment he was thrust into uh, the uh, center of health care and he's been fighting it ever since. So Herman really helped us and, and we uh, want to thank him for participating. I've got some more thank yous that I want to get to uh, in the next segment so stay with us. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. We are giving a recap of the direct primary care conference that we held this past weekend in Orlando, Florida. It was a grand slam, as I um, said in the first segment. And I gave a lot of thanks, but um, the, the, the lion's share of the thanks goes to the people who really helped to pull off this meeting, which is the uh, staff of uh, Docs for Patient Care and uh, the board members who participated. Um, I am purposely not using last names because I I, uh, don't want to embarrass anybody or or compromise anybody. I think that with uh, our executive director, she does not like to have the the notoriety, and she always stays behind the scenes. But uh, Felicia um, gets a huge shout-out for helping to make this event the giant success that it was. It went off flawlessly because of her and the organizational effort that she put together with uh, our uh, helpers there, Brenda, Patty, and everyone else. And if I've not specifically mentioned anybody, it's not uh, a slight, I'm not doing a Donald Trump moment of slighting anybody. I'm simply just, um, I I can't, it's, I I don't want to uh, uh, leave anybody out, but I'm sorry if, if I don't mention anybody who helped us by name. But I would like to give one more shout out, and that's to Bob, who did all of the AV and the uh, and the um, printed materials. It, he's an artist, and he is a, a true believer in in the efforts of Docs for Patient Care. And uh, we really could not uh, do what we've done without um, all the help that he's given us. So he gets a giant, giant shout out as well. And thank you to the board members who were there as well who helped us to uh, make this event a uh, giant success. Some of the things that were discussed at the meeting were, were very interesting, and I'm going to share with you some of the uh, facts that uh, I got from some of the talks. Um, primarily, um, I, something that we've reported on this show before, which is the Physicians Foundation um, survey of American physicians that is done every two years through uh, Merritt Hawkins. And uh, Doug Farrago actually uh, used some of these numbers. A couple of people actually used these numbers in their talk. But I think that the people from the Physicians Foundation were quite um, pleased and excited to see the uh, work that they supported being uh, uh, quoted and, and disseminated. And I think it set the it set the groundwork it set the table for what the meeting was all about, which was that fifty four percent of people in the survey of doctors surveyed and this is a huge survey. There's I believe 
over 17,000 respondents. They said that morale um, was um, either somewhat or or very negative. 63% had negative feelings about the future of the medical profession. 49% often or always experienced feelings of burnout. And 49% would not recommend a career in medicine for their children. Imagine half the doctors in this survey did not want their kids to go into medicine. I got to be honest with you. I I was neutral on that, and I have three kids, and and my my wife and I are both physicians, and and our kids didn't want any part of uh, being a doctor. I have one dentist, but but no... uh, but no doctors in our family, and 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 this is something that was unheard of a generation or two ago. People who were doctors, their children very often followed in their footsteps. Not any longer. It's because of of what is happening in to to the medical profession. Um, it constant it consistently hovers as one of the highest risks of suicide of any profession out there. And this is a very startling statistic that Doug shared with us during his talk, that a doctor kills themselves on average of every day in the United States. That is just unbelievable when you think about it, because there are um, between 800 and 900,000 doctors, and that is just really unbelievable um, when you think about that uh, number and what that rate is. This, the specialty societies <clears throat> are are really in part to blame. They they have not helped the uh, their constituents. And uh, in the uh, subject of physician burnout, they are just clueless. And and Doug in his talk, which was as I said, part humorous, part part serious. He was um, sharing with us how the his society, the American Associ- American Academy of Family Practice, has solved the problem by creating seminars where they uh, have claimed that they have solved the problem of physician burnout um, by um, putting seminars out there which um, are as follows: "Quote: I filled my prescription against burnout at the gym." Another another seminar that they had can mindfulness meditation deliver us from burnout or another one i bounced back from burnout by setting boundaries and priorities and this is just emblematic it is it is a sign of how out of touch the medical societies are with the real problems that physicians are having and they are they are out of touch they're clueless and Part of the problem is that doctors are just demeaned in our society today. They're, they are relegated to a position of, of um, as second-class citizens. And that's, and that's not by patients, but it's by the whole medical environment, which has grown in, in, uh, in ways that, that favor the special interests. And one of the slides which I show when I speak and was shown several times at this meeting was the, um, the uh, disproportionate rise in the number of hospital administrators relative to the rise in the number of doctors between 1970 and 2009. During that period of time, the number of doctors increased 
just 200%. So that is over a 40-year period, the number of doctors increased about 200%. During that same time, the number of hospital administrators increased 3200%. So this is this there's there's a a major disproportion with the number of people in healthcare who contribute nothing nothing to healthcare but who assume an increasingly larger role in healthcare compared to the people who are actually delivering the health care, who are taking care of people and keeping them healthy. And these are Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics. So these are not made-up numbers. And uh, Doug and others shared with us that um, direct primary care is the way out of the abyss, that doctors can start to take control of their lives. And uh, he quoted Chandra Rhymes, um, of Hollywood personality who said, I am not lucky. You know what I am? I am smart. I am talented. I take advantage of the opportunities that come my way, and I work really, really hard. Don't call me lucky. Call me a badass. And this is what what uh, he was trying to do. He was trying to inspire doctors who were on the fence about whether or not they wanted to do direct primary care to take the plunge and do it because it's the only way to stop the madness in healthcare and control your lives, make your lives better, and to help the lives of other doctors. You've heard me tease on this show Hip Nation, which is um, a uh, direct primary care-based model that uh, that has been developed in the Atlanta market, which uses not just direct primary care, but also puts together a whole healthcare ecosystem, including specialists that will take back healthcare away from insurance companies, away from hospitals, and put it back into the hands of people. And I promise that I will devote an entire show. Um, to Hip Nation um, very soon um, and explain this. I don't think I'll have time today because we have a lot of ground to cover with a couple of other items that I want to go through in the next two segments. Grace Marie Turner shared with us the the Washington message at this meeting, and the Washington message was interesting. She was uh, pointing out that 44 million non-elderly people were uninsured in the month prior to Obamacare. In 2016, there were 28 million uninsured. So you can look at this as a success that 16 million less people were uninsured. However, if you break that down and you really drill down and and look at this, which people don't do, they just take these numbers at face value because that's what's fed to them by the media or by politicians who, who have an agenda. But if you drill down into these numbers, of those 16 million, 89% were insured thanks to Medicaid and 11% were given subsidies to uh, uh, be able to get private health insurance. And you've heard this business about the subsidies with uh, with uh, Trump saying he was going to cut off 
the um, the uh, subsidies to the insurance companies, and that's what this is all about. But individual premiums are up 99% since 2013, and family premiums are up 140%. Um, these are e-health statistics. And more rate hikes are due in 2018. 48% in Florida, 58% in Georgia, 30% in Massachusetts, and 39% in Utah. And many states have a choice of just one plan. 33% of counties in the U.S. only have one insurer. 37% have just two. So um, we're going to get into some of the legislative stuff that's now dominating the news when we get back in the next segment of the Doctor's Lounge. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. So uh, we were talking about uh, uh, our uh, direct primary care conference, and I shared with you uh, some of the statistics from some of the very interesting talks that uh, we heard this past weekend. Grace Marie Turner came and gave us the Washington Report, which I um, was telling you about before the break. And uh, so she she shared with us what Congress's um, three-pronged plan was all about. The first part was to pass something to get market stabilization, and then they would return to repeal and replace in 2018. The second was regulatory action. Regulatory rollback, executive action, inviting new ideas. Seema Verma is now the secretary, or I'm sorry, the administrator for CMS. She was involved in Healthy Indiana, uh, that plan which uh, is a, uh, a, a Medicaid program that really works. And um, she and Mike Pence put that together, Mitch Daniels before Mike Pence, the former governor uh, before Mike Pence, uh, instrumental in making that plan succeed. And SEMA is now inviting new ideas to uh, CMS to try to uh, see if there are other ways of doing health care. And, and she's very open to people who want to send her information. And you've seen some of the executive actions already from 
President Trump. He uh, is allowing uh, uh, there to be associations created so that they can pool their members and uh, purchase health care across, across state lines. And uh, and other executive actions will uh, will be forthcoming from from uh, Trump administration. And then the third part of Congress's three pronged plan, according to Grace Marie, was regular order bills that could get sixty Senate votes. That they're talking about. One is the IPAB repeal. The IPAB is that board that is the independent payment advisory board that can control what the government will and will not pay for. It's basically a rationing board, which is unelected uh, and un, um, uh, unsupervised by Congress. It's it's a autonomous board with an enormous uh, control over health care. Um, they also want to get bills passed which would give tax credits for COBRA, which would um, give tax credits to TRICARE, um, veterans and uh, and um, and work on medical liability reform. Although uh, that's that's very unclear how that will uh, get any uh, kind of support because there are so many uh, people in Congress who are uh, federalists that believe that that medical liability reform should not come from the federal government but from the states. Um, the uh, uh, House already passed a bill she shared with us called the Small Business Health Fairness Act, which allows for pooling by small businesses so that they can purchase health care. That has not passed the Senate as of yet. And then the uh, Department of Health and Human Services has been inviting uh, uh, states to submit um, uh, grants for 1332 waivers, which are the waivers that states may apply for so that they can create their own innovative um, state programs for uh, implementing Medicaid. Michigan is in the process of trying to do such a, a, um, uh, a program, just like Healthy Indiana. But the bottom line is that CMS and Sema Verma the administrator are very interested in direct primary care, and that's getting a lot of attention in Washington. Grace Marie shared with us. So, Washington, what are we hearing from Washington? You know, what was on the table before was the uh, Graham Cassidy bill. What that had in it was no individual mandates, mandate penalties, no employer mandate penalties. It repealed the medical device taxes, but it left all the other taxes in place. And it uh, devolved funding uh, of of Medicaid to the states. They'd be given block grants, and they'd figure out how they were going to put together their own Medicaid programs. It was going to replace the tax credits, the cost-sharing reductions, which are the payments to the insurance companies, and replace them with block grants. And Medicaid was going to move toward a per capita uh, um cap with adjustments to balance the states that expanded their Medicaid and those that didn't, so that states that did expand their Medicaid would not get an advantage just because they had more people 
on the dole. They would uh, it would even out, and they would figure out how to how to distribute the the money in a fairer way, rather than just in the absolute number of people a state had on Medicaid. That didn't get through. That couldn't. That was the bill that uh, that John McCain torpedoed at the eleventh hour. So what's on the table now? The bipartisan bill, and you've heard some of the talk about this in the media over the last 48 hours. This is the compromise bill by Senators Lamar Alexander, the Republican from Tennessee, and Patty Murray, the Democrat from Washington. And under this deal, um, let me let me share with you what what would happen. What does the what do the Republicans get? They get a speedier and more flexible federal waiver pathway to the health care law. So that means that that uh, that states that are looking for those 1332 waivers, they would not be held up in in uh, Congress. It, it would also allow people to sign up for bare bones insurance plans. That means that there would be plans that would be available that wouldn't carry with it all of the minimum essential benefits that are part and parcel to Obamacare. The Democrats get restored funding for for billions of dollars that will go to the insurance companies, the CSRs, the cost-sharing reductions, so that the insurance companies can, quote, keep the premiums down on pay, on the patients. And the Democrats would also get $10 million for marketing. Uh, I'm sorry, $10, $100 million for marketing. Um, Obama said that he was going... Uh, I'm sorry, let me start again. President Trump said that he was going to get rid of the money going to the navigators, those people who were... Um, helping people sign up for Obamacare. It turns out that these navigators were actually making more money than many of the doctors taking care of these patients. And so President Trump said, enough's enough, we're getting rid of this. And, um, and with that went a lot of the marketing dollars so that the uh, patients would be able to get the information that they needed to uh, be able to sign up for Obamacare. Well, the Democrats, they had a fit when that those dollars were were withheld, and they wanted that put back in, and that's what this this deal would would do. This bill, which is being introduced by Senators Alexander and Murray, would need sixty Senate votes. I don't know if it's going to get 60 Senate votes. Um, they probably will get all of the Democrat votes, all all uh, 48 Democrat votes, and it might get it might get enough Senate votes that it would pass. The question is whether it would get enough votes in the House, and. The reason why I am very skeptical about this is because this is a very, very bad bill. This is a, let, let me share with you what a compromise nowadays looks like in, in America. A compromise is 
that the Democrats say, this is the way that we want this, come see it our way, and maybe we will give you a, a couple of concessions rather than meeting in the middle. You've heard Senators Schumer, um, uh, Minority Leader Pelosi, talk about non-starters. Non-starters for them is anything that they feel undermines Obamacare. Forget about the fact that Obamacare is dead, that Obamacare is hurting Americans, that Obamacare was built on a series of lies that were propagated by the president, by by those who supported him. What did he say over and over again? You can keep your doctor if you like your doctor. You can keep your insurance if you like your insurance. You can go to your hospital that you like if you want to go to your hospital. The, oh, my plan, the Affordable Care Act, has nothing to do with that. We now, we now know that he knew at the time that that was a giant lie, and so did everybody else who was helping to get this law passed. So this law was built on a foundation of lies that were created because the left does not believe in American exceptionalism. The left believes that we are flawed, that our system of doing things is wrong. It is, we need to be more like the rest of the world. And when it comes to health care, we need to change our exceptional health care system, which is not working perfectly, which has its flaws and needs to be fixed, but the, never let a crisis go go uh, without, without uh, taking advantage of it, to paraphrase Rahm Emanuel. And the problems in health care were used to get Obamacare passed. And and the problems that we're seeing right now, I'm gonna, I'm just going to warn everybody right now. The problems that we're seeing right now are going to um, result in another round of leftist propaganda to try to say that what we've got right now is such bad dysfunction that we've got to move even further to the left and get to government-controlled health care to single payer. Two years ago, Bernie Sanders' health care for all plan, the, uh, the government takeover of health care, had zero sponsors in the Senate. Today, that same bill has 16 sponsors. So the dysfunction that we're seeing right now in health care is the result of Obamacare. It is not the result of our healthcare system and an excuse why we need to move further to the left. If you want this country's healthcare to be controlled by the government, I would only ask you to look at VA health. And for those of you who have no experience in the VA and believe the lies or believe the propaganda that you've heard that the VA really is not so bad, I will tell you, having personally worked there for 
um, eight years of my of my training. Oh, well, that's not true. I worked there for ten years of my training. Um, the VA is probably the last place in the world that you would want your health care because you'll get people who don't care. There are some people who do, but the system doesn't care. You'll get bureaucracy. You'll get roadblocks. You'll be uh, unable to get the care that you need, and that's what single-payer health care means. And those people who are proposing it, they should not be allowed to propose it unless they're willing to receive it. And that's and that's all I have to say about that. So let let's uh, stay with us. I've got some other interesting news about certificate of need in Georgia when we get back into the doctor's lounge. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back for the last segment in the Doctor's Lounge. Um, So what do we say every week when we get on the show? We say that we stand up for individuals and help them fight for their health care freedom. I'd like to call everyone's attention to an op-ed that was written in today's Wall Street Journal, which says, which was written by Phil Graham, who is a former chairman of the uh, Senate Banking Committee and a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. And he wrote a really good op-ed, which um, is entitled, Republicans Stand Up for Health Freedom. And it's everything that we say every single week on this show that uh, that if we don't um, watch our backs, our health care freedom is going to be taken away from us. And this uh, Bernie Sanders business with health care for all, single payer, is, is a perfect example of that. Um, some miscellaneous stuff that I want to share in this last segment. So... Um, uh, Pre- uh, President Trump is considering a new uh, head for Health and Human Services, and um, and I am a little bit troubled by this person. Um, his name is Alex Azar. Uh, he is a lawyer, 
and he is a former executive at Eli Lilly Company, the pharmaceutical company. And uh, you talk about the swamp. It's President Trump, even considering somebody coming from that industry, is is an absolute affront and a contradiction to what he is on a daily basis railing against. So, you know, I don't know whether or not my spoken word right now is going to matter, but if anybody um, is uh, uh, outraged by the prospect of having the secretary of HHS come from the pharmaceutical industry, I strongly urge you to uh, to contact your your representatives in Washington and voice your displeasure with that. One sad note that um, I have to share with you comes out of Georgia. Um, there was a um, Supreme Court case that was being heard here uh, that uh, was challenging certificate of need laws. It was a case where two doctors from Cartersville, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta, were uh, fighting the state of Georgia over their inability to put one additional operating room into their surgery center and allow doctors from the community to participate because it was a threat to three major hospitals in the area which all file grievances with the state of Georgia to block the certificate of need that the state needs to issue in order for them to move forward with uh, their plans to expand. And so they sued the state of Georgia over this, over the certificate of need. They got the Goldwater Institute from from um, Arizona to take their case pro bono, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they challenged certificate of need on the basis of constitution, constitutionality. The Georgia Constitution, and I believe 30 other state constitutions, have in it provisions that are anti-monopoly. And what that means is that um, the Constitution prohibits um, the uh, state from granting monopoly status to any industry. It's a it's an anti um, it, a, it's a pro competition anti-monopoly um, uh, provision that exists in the Constitution. That was the grounds by which this case was based. But on Monday, the Georgia Supreme Court, in a unanimous ruling, stated that the uh, case did not merit uh, overturning the uh, CON law on the anti-monopoly provisions. They said that the requirements of CON do not encourage monopolies in the healthcare industry. And, quote, by its plain terms, the CON law does not authorize monopolistic contracts relating to providers of new institutional health services. And that was a quote from Justice Harold Melton, who wrote the court's opinion. It only requires that all such providers obtain a certificate of need before adding new services. And what the court clearly turned a blind eye to is the reality of what's going on 
in 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 the community, in healthcare, all around the country, in states that have certificate of need laws. It might not explicitly say that it's a monopoly, but it's effectively a monopoly. If if I and I've used this analogy before, if I open up a hamburger stand and I am required by the state to obtain a special license, a special permission to open up that hamburger stand, and before they'll give me that permission, they're going to ask McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's whether or not it's okay for me to get that hamburger stand permit. What do you think that they're going to say? They're going to say, no, of course not. You're not going to give them that permit. You can't open up that hamburger stand. And the state will say to me, I'm sorry, but we're going to deny your your um, your permit. If that's not a monopoly, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't know what is. Even though it might not state it in those terms, it effectively is. And that is what exists in healthcare today in this country. Our certificate of need conference in Washington um, was very uh, illuminating, and um, one of the uh, uh, speakers at our conference actually showed us um, uh, data. They they shared with us events that the failure to grant certificate of need to a hospital that that a small hospital that wanted to establish a ambulance service for that hospital and wanted to expand their services to put up a neonatal ICU was being contested by other ambulance services that existed and by another nearby hospital that had an NICU and failure to do both of those um, resulted in the death of a uh, premature infant that did not survive the trip to that other hospital where the NICU was located because there was no ambulance in, uh, in, in ready proximity and no NICU ready to receive that child right away. So certificate of need laws actually harm patients. They actually kill patients. They deny access to care. They limit availability of care. And the, the reason why these laws continue to exist is because in most areas of the country with hospitals, the hospitals are the largest employer. They are embedded in the Chamber of Commerce. They control state lawmakers and they don't even get bills to uh, the floor that are contesting overturning segments or or the entirety of certificate of need laws until we get some federal help in this to encourage states not just encourage states but strong arm states twist their arms to get rid of these certificate of need laws which are allowing hospitals to maintain monopolies we are going to continue to see the cost of health care rise we're going to see the um, choices that patients have 
diminish as these hospitals get larger and larger and buy up more and more uh, smaller hospitals that can't survive. Here in Atlanta, I don't think there is an independent hospital anymore. There are four major players in addition to the children's network, and they are sucking up everything. And so what does that do to competition? It eliminates it, and the costs go up and up, and now with people having to assume a greater portion of their health care dollar, having to assume a greater part of the costs to get care, they cannot be consumers because they are forced to get health care in places where the costs are artificially elevated, either by the institution themselves or thanks to uh, government um, selectivity. And by that I mean they um, hospitals are reimbursed more for the exact same care that a independent physician in an independent location would be reimbursed. So this selective um, reimbursement by the government is is also part and parcel of why health care costs are so high. And that's what direct primary care is all about. It's about getting government out of health care. It's about getting insurance companies out of health care. It's about getting hospitals out of out of the everyday health care and being able to deliver the 80% of services to, to patients that can be delivered without any of those entities being involved. And... Um, this is this is uh, what this past weekend in Orlando uh, taught us that there is a wave coming in this country, and people are sick of what they are being uh, told by the government and and the choices that they that they think that they have. Healthcare is not healthcare insurance. Healthcare is the uh, relationship between you, the patient. And your doctor or your healthcare professional. So um, don't don't uh, believe what you're hearing from Bernie Sanders about healthcare for all. Don't believe what you're seeing as the compromise, which is which is just that. It's the compromise, and it's not it's not good for patients, and it's not good for this country. So thanks for being with us and letting me share with you uh, some uh, some of the latest news in healthcare. And come back with us next week on the Doctors Lounge. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.